You feel blessed this morning? Anybody know what the weather's calling for today? I have to, I have to uh, skip out. Sunshine. <laughs> My kind of weatherman. I like sunshine. I was telling Pastor Jody this morning, I met a guy in uh, South Carolina. And uh, we were talking about, you know, Canada versus the weather and stuff down there. I love to work outside and be outside. I'd be outside all day. And uh, he said, Ted, if you want to move down here with your family, he said, I will give you a piece of land. The favor of God. I've been preaching to my wife ever since about moving. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, boo, yeah. Not a lot of Trump fans out there, but... <laughs> I want to tell you something a preacher said to me, a friend of mine down in Georgia. His name's Dave. Dave's blessed by the hand of the Lord. And we're talking about Donald Trump. And he said, don't you worry about Donald Trump. He said, God can make a straight shot with a bent stick. <laughs> I'm, uh, I sing a lot of country, especially around my testimony. Um, because um, when I give my testimony, it's a lot of the experiences are in the country music. I don't write all country music, um, but we're going to get a lot of it here this morning. The song's called Honky Tonk Christian. How are we doing here? I'm a honky-tonk Christian in the morning. I'm a honky-tonk Christian at night. I'm a honky-tonk Christian who loves life. Well, I'm a honky-tonk Christian in Christ. I was born a yodeling and I never had no fear. And always happy-go-lucky and always full of cheer. And I've been picking this guitar since I was only 10. I've been saying honky-tonk music since then. I'm a honky-tonk Christian in the morning. Yes, I'm a honky-tonk Christian at night. I'm a honky-tonk Christian who loves life. Well, I'm a honky-tonk Christian in Christ. Well, I wear my cowboy boots at church on Sunday. I strap the Holy Bible at my side. There's a place in my heart that I have prized Cause I'm a honky-tonk Christian in Christ I'm a honky-tonk Christian in the morning Yes, I'm a honky-tonk Christian at night I'm a honky-tonk Christian who loves life well, I'm a honky-tonk Christian in Christ Sing honky tonk praises to him. Yes, I know honky tonk music ain't no sin. Cause there's a special joy 
In your life when you're a honky-tonk Christian in Christ I'm a honky-tonk Christian in the morning Yes, I'm a honky-tonk Christian at night I'm a honky-tonk Christian who loves life Well, I'm a honky-tonk Christian in Christ going to keep the song going. This next song is about obedience, something that I wasn't when I was a young, young boy. Well, when I was just a boy, I did what I was told. Then I got older, I turned dark and cold. No one I would listen, oh, I knew they were right. Did just the opposite and I done it all for spite. Then I met my savior, he came into my heart. He taught me all new rules, gave me a brand new star. Now I'm obedient, I find it such a thrill. I can hardly stand still. Every woman I sing, Lord, I'll sing for you. Every woman a heal, Lord, I'll do that too. And if you want me to preach, Lord, I'll preach your word. But the only thing that I won't do, anything without you. Well, I remember when I couldn't pray for myself. My soul was lost. I was going straight through hell. And there was a time that I couldn't pray for you. But now I'm down on my knees and pray until my heart is blue. Well, I do such crazy things that the world thinks I'm mad. If they only knew serving the Lord would make them glad. Cause in the Lord I have found love and great joy. That it's easy to be a good boy. If you want me to sing alone. I'll sing for you. If you want me to heal, Lord, I'll do that too. And if you want me to preach, Lord, I'll preach your word. But the only thing that I won't do is anything without you. I wake up in the morning, I begin to pray. In your perfect peace, Lord, that's where I want to stay. Then I pray some more, more of the same. I do all my praying in the Lord Jesus' name. Before my feet hit the floor, I'm shouting praise the Lord. Watch out, Satan, cause I'm heading for the door. This is how I live my life. I can't do it on my own. Only the Lord can lead me home. Give me one minute, sing, Lord. I'll sing for you. Every woman who heal, Lord, I'll do that too. And every woman who preach, Lord, I'll preach your word. But the only thing that I won't do, that thing without you. Every woman who sing, Lord, I'll sing for you. And every woman who heal, Lord, I'll do that too. Every woman who preach, Lord, I'll preach your word. 
song that I want to do for you, I want to do, uh, give you a little explanation before I sing it, because I don't want anybody to get offended, <laughs> because Christians take offense too, Christians take offense, although we're not supposed to, because uh, have you ever been to a wake or seen a dead person, you can go to a wake and you can go up to the casket, you can wind up and you can go. Bang! You can hit the guy on the side of the head. I guarantee you, he'll not get offended. <laughs> and you can wind up even harder and bang! He'll still not get offended. There's nothing that you can do to offend him because the flesh is dead. Hmm? As Christians, our flesh is to be dead. We're not to take offense. As Christians. Amen? Can I get an amen? So let's not be like the world. Get so caught up in being offended. Hurt people get offended. People that are hurting take on offense. This song, I, uh, I lived a very dark life um, before I met Christ. I tell folks I, I grew up in a home that went to church, but I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And you can go to the garage, get your oil changed, it doesn't make you a mechanic. You can go to the hospital, it won't make you a nurse or doctor. You can go to church and not be a Christian, be the farthest thing from it. And that was kind of us. You know, I had an interesting God, but I didn't know God. God was a God that was way out there. But I didn't realize that he could be a God that was within Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is not, you can't say it's over over there or over here. The kingdom of heaven is within. So anyway, I, I was going to sing this song. It's, uh, I realized that all the bad relationships I had, especially the one with my dad, we'll talk about it a little later, all stemmed from one bad relationship I had. And that was my relationship with sin. How could I get away from it? How could I get away from this relationship? This sin had this dominion over my entire life. And it was affecting all my relationships. So I praise God that he was able to come in and break this relationship that I had with sin. So when I would talk to my friend Sam down in Nashville and he heard this song, he's like, Ted, when you sing this song, he said, I don't want to be you. He said, because I can't believe you gave sin a gender, and it's a female. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the song talks about as if this guy's breaking up, sounds like with a woman. I try to write music that, when I first got saved, I thought, you know, how great thou art isn't going to save my buddies. They're not going to listen to it. So I try to write music that will connect with people on a horizontal level, but always point them this way, and just plant this and water a seed. And uh, that's my goal in writing a lot of the music that I write. So anyways, I hope nobody gets offended and donates any overripe fruit or anything like that. So this song, instead of calling it Since She Left, it's called Sin 
She left. Lord, I need a miracle. I've done all that I can do. I've tried everything. It's time I've looked to you. I know you've walked on water, filled ice, forever blind. What's it gonna take for the man this heart of mine? Since she left and it don't bother me, I'm like a bird, I've been set free. Some say I've got a heart of stone. Feels so good now she is gone She took her smile, she took all my friends Guaranteed she won't be back again I ain't been drinking and I'm doing so fine Lord, what's happened to this heart of mine? The house is empty, the cupboards are bare I should be crying, but I really don't care Barbecue me up a juice and steak With a plastic spoon and a paper plate Seems the strings not to walk the floor Not the work who comes through the door All I can say, all I can tell Is now she's gone, I'm doing so well Cause since she left and it don't bother me like a bird, I've been set free. Some say I've got a heart of stone. Feels so good now she is gone. She took her smile, she took all my friends. Guaranteed she won't be back again. I ain't been drinking and I feel so fine. Lord, what's happened to this heart of mine? Been her slave, but all my life almost made that crazy thing my life. She held me prisoner with her ball and chain. Should have seen her running when I called your name. The since she left and it don't bother me. I'm like a bird, I've been set free. Some say I've got a heart of stone. Feels so good now she is gone. She took her smile, she took all my friends. Guaranteed she won't be back again. I ain't been drinking, I feel so fine. Lord, what's happened to this heart of mine? I ain't been drinking and I feel so fine. Lord, what's happened to this heart of mine? Maybe some of you guys can relate, because like, for me it was like, I, I loved to drink, I, I, like, I, I loved 
to drink. I know it sounds strange to some of you, but, you know, I, I started drinking at the age of 13 years old. I look at 13-year-old kids today, and I think, oh, my gosh. And when I was 16, I was getting in the bars on school nights with my brother's ID. I drank in the morning. I, before I went to school, I drank at dinner hour, got drunk at school, in high school. Uh, I love to drink. Me and my, and my, my Hank Williams Sr. music. <laughs> I know, sounds crazy, doesn't it? It was crazy, it was insane. But, uh, you know, until you, like the prodigal son, it says when he came to his senses. Where was he before that? If that was the moment. So everybody is actually spiritually insane until they come to their senses and says, I'll return to my father. Amen? So uh, I don't tell them that, though. <laughs> but I love to preach the word and I love to see the captives set free because I know the joy that I've experienced in my own life. Um, so I... I I had a rough upbringing, and it pretty well stemmed all from a bad dysfunctional relationship with my dad. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit after. I know that we got a lot of things to do this morning. But anyway, seeds are very, very important. We can plant bad seeds or we can plant good seeds. And um, one of the things that set me on a real bad course in my life was something that someone said to me, and it was my dad. And uh, I was getting in a lot of trouble at school. I was starting to steal at the mall, things like that. And uh, my dad didn't know what to do with me. I was, I was completely insubordinate. I wouldn't listen to him. And uh, I was going from bad to worse real fast. So the only time I really felt like we spent time with our father was when we, he was working. Like he didn't really spend a lot of time with, with us six siblings. And I was number four. And uh, he was taking my little brother fishing. And I was kind of jealous in my heart. And I remember I, I made the mistake I say mistake because it didn't end well of asking if I could go too. And Dad probably didn't want me to go, but he said yes, and I went. So we were down by the lake, down by the stream. We're going to fish in some trout. And my father and I got in an argument. So he was, he was probably already at 75%. Didn't take much to get him up there. And, uh, you know, I was, my attitude wasn't great, and didn't mean, so it escalated. My father's sitting in the driver's seat, and I'm in the passenger seat. My little brother's in the middle. And I said something cute, really ticked him off. I didn't have a lot of respect for him at this point. And I just remember his words. He pointed at my little brother and he said, don't you worry. He won't turn out the way that you did. And when my dad said it to me, it broke my heart. And I remember I wanted to cry. My head kind of went down. and Those words went right into my spirit, right to the core of my being. And I didn't cry. My head went up. I squared my shoulders, my jaw. And I said, you will never, ever hurt me again. And my heart became a stone. And God says, I'll remove your, the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And that's what happened. And that's what needs to happen in all of us. But sometimes there's, there's things in our lives, you know, like the potter and the clay. He gets a hard spot. And that's got to come out. That's got to come out of there. And I know there's still a lot of hard chunks in me that got to come out. Um, but I think the word that's coming to me this year as the beginning of the new year is humility. And it's so important to humble ourselves 
um, rather than have God humble us. I'd rather do it myself than have dad humble, humble me, you know, and uh, it's so important to, to remain humble and pliable and teachable. Just because we've heard the sermon of uh, the product of some before doesn't mean you can't get something new out of it. We have to stay fresh and have to be hungry and have to be humble and pliable and teachable at all times. So anyways, um, I felt like Mephibosheth. You know that story of Mephibosheth in the Bible where the hell's wives dropped him? He was a little boy, and, and he was crippled. And back then they didn't have medicine doctors like we have today, so the little boy was crippled all the days of his life. They couldn't, couldn't fix his legs. And the story about David said, is there anybody I can, in, the, in the lineage of Jonathan that I can show uh, kindness to? And they found this little boy. He was living in a place called Lodabar, and Lodabar means desolate. Uh, there was nothing there. It was empty and lonely, and the guy was living there because he was crippled. And that's basically how I felt my whole life. I, though I could walk, I was crippled. I was spiritually crippled. Somebody took a sword. The tongue is a two-edged sword. It can heal or it can cut. My father uses his to cut and cut the spiritual legs out from underneath me. Like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk upright. So anyway, the seeds are so important today. I try to encourage people. I tell my daughters, I always tell my daughters, you know, you make dad happy. And I always tell my children how beautiful they are because every little girl wants to hear how beautiful she is. And every man wants to hear how he has what it takes to be a man. Those are two very important things. And I, when I was a youth pastor, I always spoke that into the kids. But um, anyway, I, th I think about how precious the Word of God is and how it like, tr totally transformed my life. Maybe I'll talk about it a little later. I don't got a whole lot of time. But Romans, the first eight chapters in the book of Romans transformed my life. When it went from here to here, it was a struggle. It was a process. It really changed my life. Uh, the grace of God became real. And I couldn't drink anymore. I couldn't do it. My relationship with God was so tangible and tender that when I went to, to the old habits to drink, I felt more vexed to drink than not to drink. And it was like, I'd, I, you know, I was like, I'd weep. I'd get drunk and I'd weep. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt you, you know, after what you've done for me. And, and that, there was a shift, a gradual shift, and the liquor was gone. And the last night I, I drank, I went to a place, and I, I cried myself to sleep in a room full of people that were all partying. And uh, I just broke. I just, they were playing this song maybe from a band called Heart. Some of you may know it, some of you may not. It was, the song was called All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. I was at a party where the music was so loud you could never have a conversation with anybody if you tried. It was just like that movie Saving Private Ryan where the guy's on the beach, Tom Hanks is on the beach, and he's looking around at that moment where he sees everybody. Well, I had this moment where I'm looking around at everybody, and I was like, God, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here. This is not the life I want anymore. And I just looked up at the ceiling, and I said, Lord, all I want to do is make love to you. I just want you. And the spirit of God came on me and broke. Just, I, I wept like a, 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 just a complete mess of a human being. And I never drank again. And uh, I give Jesus all the glory and all the credit from a guy who loved to drink. And that's why, I, you know, all of a sudden I want to obey God. This is the strangest thing in the world. You know, everybody knew that I was different. <laughs> it didn't take a, a scientist. My own brother said it's a miracle that Ted's sober. This song is called Precious Seeds. The Word of God is so, so important. If 
farmer plants his precious seeds one by one in the sand by the sweat of his brow he works his land knowing his family counts on him and that he reaps what he sows six days a week to the harvest field he goes man plants a seed but it's God who makes it grow Praying's how we weed, we all know. It's the living word of God that waters us when we're dry, as we grow up strong and tall towards the sky. Man plants the precious, precious seed, but it's God who makes it grow. Leaves turn their pretty colors as the harvest draws near. And it's such a beautiful time of every year. The farmer gathers all his crops that he labored so hard for. And his family's needs are met, that's his reward. Man plants a seed, but it's God who makes it grow. Praise how we weed, we all know. It's a living word of God that waters us when we're dry. As we grow up strong and tall towards the sky. Man plants the precious, precious seed. It's God who makes it grow. Sometimes the harvest sun, it cannot be found. Sometimes the rain keeps on pouring down. But don't lose faith, my friend. Praise God with a shout. For the seed you've sown will soon begin to sprout. Man plants a seed. It's God who makes it grow. Praying's how we weep, we all know. It's a living word of God that waters us when we're dry. As we grow up strong and tall towards the sky. Man plants the precious, precious seed. It's God who makes it grow. God who makes it cool. Amen. This time we're going to do some announcements. I was telling, telling the girls, yeah, when, when I was a children's pastor, when, when the kids heard the word announcement, they all went, announcement, announcements, announcements. And that was just to keep them listening every time they heard the word, and that's the way it went on. So... You said you, she's going to give you an answer. That's what went through my head. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> Praise God. I, uh, I was a binge drinker. I didn't just drink one night. I, you know, I was such a mess. 
I wrote a suicide note when I was 10 years old. I was very lonely. Even though there were six siblings, I, I felt very much alone. Uh, I just didn't really feel like anybody believed in me. Um, and, you know, you don't always, it's not always translated what it's going through a parent's mind and why you can or can't do things. And um, I guess I just come up, came up with some my own conclusions, conclusions for a lot of things and wasn't the right conclusions. Um, anyhow, I bought a 1952 Chevy pickup uh, in my early 20s. I still have it. It's still in pieces. <laughs> I bought it because I, I love old trucks. I remember like seeing, looking through the bus window, seeing this old, I think it was an old Effie. It was an F100 Ford, I think. Looking back, thinking back, trying to remember. And I was like, man, I hope that truck's there when I'm old enough to have some money and buy that old truck. I just, I don't know, from, from a kid, I just loved old vehicles. Big, fat, round fenders and round cabs, you know. And um, I thought they were cool and vintage, so still feel that way today. Bought this old vehicle. It needed a lot of work, and uh, I was a fixer-upper. So uh, I was a Christian at the time, walking with the Lord, and I stood in the driveway, and I said, Lord, this is your truck, because I know that everything I have comes from you. But I'm asking you one thing. Would you give me a song? And the Lord gave me a song, and I'm about to sing it to you. It's called Chevy Truck. And uh, when I was tearing the truck down, the Holy Spirit began to share with me the story of the Good Samaritan. The fellow was heading down to uh, Samaria, and he had to go through a place called Jericho. Jericho is a pretty rough neck of the woods. You, if you could, you'd bypass the place you would. It's kind of like a lot of people don't like driving through New York or New Hampshire, or uh, sorry, New Jersey. So they'll, they'll reroute. But anyways, kind of like that. So he goes down there. He gets beaten up. He gets fa falls among thieves. He gets beaten up. He gets robbed. He gets everything stolen. He's laying naked, beaten on the side of the road. The scriptures tell us that a, a priest saw him. Another translation says it was a judge saw him and walked by on the opposite side of the road. Whatever they were doing was so much more important than trying to restore that man. The Levite man, same thing. He saw him. He passed by on the opposite side of the road. Whatever he was doing was more important than trying to restore this man. Now, the good Samaritan, Jesus told this story. He said when he saw him, he seen something happen. He had compassion on him. Compassion is a beautiful word. It's a beautiful thing to have. We need more of it as a church. I was preaching to my youth about compassion, and I, when I was looking at the word, I saw the word compass, compass. And I thought, let compassion guide you. Let it direct you. Because every single place, every place I've read that Jesus was moved with compassion, a miracle took place. You want to see a miracle? Be compassionate. Be the miracle. Sounds great, but it'll cost you. Because that guy was going somewhere, but his plans had to change. He ha As Christians, we need to be flexible. Because flexible things don't break. And, he, and then the next line says, he went where he was. Oftentimes the church is trying to gather, and Jesus said, go. He went where he was. We need to go where they are. He poured in wine, oil, bandages, his wounds, took him in, and it cost him, he paid. Well, how, what's that got to do with a 52 Chevy truck? Well, that's what I asked the Lord. <laughs> so it was like, 
You know, I love these old trucks, and somebody say, well, it was an old truck in so-and-so's field has been there for years. And I'll go walking through uh, the, the, the moss and the, and the, the thicket and with, come out with hitchhikers all over my laces and, and two soaking feet, and, and I'll find this big black hole where this truck used to sit. And I'll think, oh, the wrecker got it. Probably crushed. That old truck probably could have been fixed up. And the scriptures tell us, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not put out. God is so compassionate and loving and tender-hearted and steadfast. His love is steadfast. And he's not a man that he should lie. He is the essence of everything that is true, everything that is right, everything that is holy, and so much more. We said this morning in that one word, indescribable. How do you describe something indescribable? So in saying all that, I thought, you know, there's probably times in my life where People probably walk by Ted Lynch, and actually it was always always Teddy Lynch. A preacher came to my church one time, and he said, you are no longer Teddy. He said, you're either Ted or Theodore. And I tell people, Theodore wasn't an option, (laughs) so I became Ted. But I'll tell you what that did. It changed my identity. It helped me. Cephas became Peter and Saul became Paul and everybody needs an identity change. And for me, I started to write my name. I'm Ted Lynch. I'm the son of the living God. I'm not this old party animal that could drink for free and do drugs for free and everything else that goes along with it. Because they say, well, I got to go home. I got to, you know, go to work tomorrow. And it would be like, no, open up another one. Here you go. Play another one. Play another song. And I, and I just, that was my life. And then it became my identity. It was life of the party. And when the party was over, you know, I was on my way, and, I, and if there was a light on in somebody's house, I was looking for another party. I'd go up and I'd knock on the door, and, 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 and I'd listen to see if they were having a few drinks. And whether I knew them or not, I went right in. And the guy on the table would think the guy standing at the hallway knew me, and I started talking to him, and the guy standing in the hallway thought that I, he knew me. And by the time the sun came up, I knew everybody, and I had all these places to go and just party and drink and do drugs for free and everything that went along with it. What an awful, crazy, insane life. That was me. Just nuts. And just the herd that, that piled up and mounted and, and the pain. and the So I'll, I thought if God looks at me, that I was worth fixing up. Because I didn't tell you this. When I went away to college, I barely graduated. I never cleaned up my locker. I never went to baccalaureate service. I never picked up my report card. And I never went to my prom. I went to the graduation for one, one well, two reasons. To get my diploma, to get the, out of there. And because people were counting on me for drug orders. When I was a 10-year-old kid, a guy came to our school and he told this awful story about what drugs and alcohol did to his family. And I said, as a child, I will never, ever do drugs. And in high school, I wasn't only using drugs, I was selling them. See, I came from a place called Craigville, and I lived beside two drug dealers. Could anything good come from there? God's amazing. His grace is absolutely amazing. And um, I thought, if God looks at me the way I look at my truck, then he must see potential for a fixer-up. Well, I was working on my 52 Chevy. She's a hot rod, one of a kind. Gotta be perfect so I don't rush it. I take my good old time. Well, the other day God spoke to me. This is how I work on you. You 
kind of be perfect, so I take my time as I tighten down every screw. Kind of looks at me the way I look at my truck. Well, he must see potential for a fixer up. When she's finished, she's gonna shine. People will say, My, oh, my. It was for sure. There's no doubt. The good old Lord, he got his work cut out. The building old truck, you gotta tear it down. Build it up from scratch. That must be what God's doing to me. Wish he'd hurry up and do that. I'm not metal, I'm flesh and bones, but I know they've got to go. Cause that old flesh, it won't pass inspection to be ready for the road. God looks at me the way I look at my truck. Well, he must see potential for a fixer. Cause when she's finished, she's gonna shine. People will say, my, oh my. One for sure, there's no doubt. Maybe there's some fixer-uppers here this morning. Actually, we're not fixer-uppers. We're customized, brand new. Well, not quite like a Chevy. My God, it's solid like a rock. And I might as well sit back and enjoy the ride as he takes me to the top. And when I get to heaven, I won't be jealous Cause this truck is bigger than mine I just want me and hiss on Jesus to go for a drive God looks at me the way I look at my truck Well, he must see potential for a fixer Cause when she's finished, she's gonna shine People will say, my, oh my They want it for sure, there's no doubt The good old Lord, he got his work cut out God looks at me the way truck will in my seat potential for a fixer it's when she's finished well she's gonna shine people will say my oh my we want it for sure there's no doubt the good old lord he got his work cut out Uh, I went away to Fredericton for a weekend to hang out with some old friends and to party. And as I mentioned, I, I didn't just drink one day. I get up the next day. I always made sure I had liquor in the morning. And uh, two or three quick ones set you right off again. And, and I didn't eat normally when I drank because I didn't want to sober up. And uh, I remember, like, you know, being on it for seven, eight, nine days and just get so sick that, uh, you know, I remember eating little pieces of cheese and little pieces of bread just trying to get something in me to try to recuperate and stuff. And anyway, I went down to Fredericton and I met a guy that I used to do some pretty heavy drugs with walking down the street. I don't know where I was going, but I met Dan and ran into him. And Dan said uh, he was in the AA at the time, which is kind of surprising. We used to do cocaine together. So I was like, you know, you're in AA and all this stuff. Yeah, you should go. And I was like, I was like, like just come right through my pores, you know. Anyway, uh, I found myself saying yes. If it hadn't been anybody else but Dan, I probably wouldn't have went, but I went. And uh, 
I found myself, in, after the meeting, he said, you know, maybe you should go to the detox. So I found myself saying yes, and I showed up. And this woman, the, the door opened, and there was a woman there, and I just remember her asking me, how do you feel? And I said, I, I feel like I've been electrocuted. And she said, I'm, I'm a reformed alco alcoholic myself, but I've never heard it put that way. But she said, I understand. And I like what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, God formed us. Sin has deformed us. The world tries to reform us, but only Jesus Christ can transform us. And folks, we need a transformation. Our country spends billions and billions and billions of dollars each year on mental health. And the detox is a revolving door. They come in, they come back. They come in, they come back. I want to tell you in a moment about a place called Village of Hope in Tracy, New Brunswick, that helps restore the lives of addicts. And you know, I want to give you an opportunity to sow into a ministry that is important to me because it's, it reaches out to the Ted Lynch's. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. But anyways, I, I wrote a song called I've Got an Addiction. When I was in the detox they told me I had an addictive personality. They told me I had a disease. And they told me that I would have to exchange the addiction. Something else would have to come into my life and take that place in my soul sort of thing. So I was thinking about these things later on in life as I'm walking with Christ. And I thought, if alcohol is a disease, how come it's the only disease the government taxes? Why is it the only disease that's given away as a birthday present or a Christmas gift? I think it's just sin. I think it just falls under the category of sin. And if you disagree with me, that's okay because because um, the Bible says the old has passed away and all things have become new. So if I'm a new creation, how could that alcoholism and everything come with me? How could that disease come with me? So I took on, I'm not that. And that is, I'm not a reformed alcoholic. I'm not. I don't say, I can't go to, I've invited to an AA meeting to share my story, and I can't go because they want me to say, hi, I'm Ted, I'm an alcoholic. I can't do it. So I'm sorry, guys, I can't do it because I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I believe his word. His word alone, I stand on it. And if you do that, you'll see miracles. I guarantee it. So in saying all that, I realize, you know, something did come in the place and take the place of that addiction. It was a new addiction. And it was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've learned that God won't make a fool of you, but Satan sure will. The worst day of my life is uh, I ended up in jail. I broke into the college that I was attending, me and this other guy, and I woke up on a jail cell, in a jail cell on a cement slab on Mother's Day, covered in my own urine. That was this guy right in front of you. I told that story on 100 Street this summer, and God opened up a door for me to share my story. I just want. I made a lot of money when I was a young man. But God spoke to me, and Peter, he was talking to Peter on the shore with the disciples. John 20, 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when I heard that, he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to this guy. And I said, Lord, I'll go. And I sold the business. And God opened up the door for me to go into ministry. So here I am. And I just thank God I owe everything I have to him. 
Today I have three beautiful daughters. I don't deserve to be a father. I don't deserve to bear the name father. When I was a young man, I dated two girls that had abortions. And one of the young ladies I had talked to had later on in Ontario, she had became a born-again Christian. And we had a good conversation, and I mentioned the child, and she began to cry, and I began to weep as well, and we had prayed for God's forgiveness together. It was part of my healing journey. And uh, I just thank God for his restorative power. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to sing this song. It's called I've Got an Addiction. That's not good I got an addiction I couldn't quit if I could It's got power over me I'm dependent as can be I've got an addiction I'm addicted to the Lord When I'm high can tell It's not identified Identified by the smell You see I get this great big grin When I spend time with him I've got an addiction I'm addicted to the Lord I got hooked just like a fish in the sea The bait was love And it attracted me And I bit off more Than I could chew Now it's all I want to do I've got an addiction I'm addicted to the Lord When I'm drunk Yes, I'm the spirit ah because i don't fall down and slur like others do no i can keep my spirits in not like those who drink rum and gin i got an addiction i'm addicted to the lord i got money in my pocket gonna take it in claim I get my fix, it doesn't cost me anything Cause Jesus' love for me is free He's got more than I'll ever need I've got an addiction, I'm addicted to the Lord Now when I wake up I feel so alive
the Lord. I want to talk to you about the Village of Hope just for a minute. Uh, let's see here. Let me finish with this one here. The Village of Hope, I'm going to tell you how it started. It was this guy named Mart Vahi. Mart Vahi was a missionary in Indonesia. While he was in Indonesia, he's praying to God, God, what do you want me to do here? How do I reach the people of Indonesia? So through much prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said, Mart, I want you to minister to those in the deepest, darkest despair. That's the word he got. So Mart thought to himself, who is in the deepest, darkest despair? And he looked around and he's seen drug addicts and alcoholics, people with no hope. And he said, oh, we'll start to minister to those people. And they started to minister to those people. They opened up a village of hope. And men came in and got their lives restored. In Indonesia today, there is a fire department, a volunteer fire department in Indonesia. It's the only one in the world that is run by all former drug addicts. That's the truth. So they wanted to bring Village of Hope. Mar had... Um, contacts and here in, in Heritage here in, in uh, Canada and in New Brunswick. He has a son named Andrew. And Andrew went astray for a little while and he has his own story. But through prayer, they're like, what do you want us to do in, in Canada? And God was pointing them towards New Brunswick, New Brunswick, New Brunswick. So through much prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and, the, and God said, I will give you 200 acres of land there will be a river flowing through it, and you will not pay more than a dollar. So they came to New Brunswick, and they came to the Miramichi. It's, it's world-class salmon fishing. Ted Williams, former ball player, had a camp on the Miramichi River, but it's, it's, it's a lot of bass in it now. But anyway, nobody offered them any land. They couldn't seem to... So they got talked to this guy named Byron from Tracy, New Brunswick. They went to see Byron. Byron took them out to their land. He walked the property, and there was a little sugar shack. And they said, what is that? That's a sugar shack. He said, really? There's a lot of maple trees here? He said, oh, yeah, I got acres and acres to uh, tap for maple syrup. Really? How, many, how much land do you have here, Byron? Oh, there's got to be 200 acres. Really? And they're looking at this. That's a beautiful stream you got running through the property. Sure is. The sugar shack was right there down by the stream. And he said, so what do you think? And he said, well, we're going to talk about it. So the two of them went over, and they stood by the stream, the river flowing through it. And they said, man, this is exactly what God told us in prayer. Wouldn't this be awesome to have and start a village of hope here? I said, yeah. What do you think he's going to say when we offer him a dollar for it? <laughs> I said, well, let's find out. So back over they went. We really like it, Byron. This, this beautiful property you got here. He said, would you like to have it? He said, yeah, we would. But here's the catch. We can only offer you a dollar. And he said, it's yours. It's sold. And he said, really? Just like that? Really. He said, when you two guys were over there standing by the stream, he said, God spoke to me. He said, those fellas are going to offer you a dollar. And when they do, he said, I want you to give it to them. <laughs> God. So they framed this dollar bill and they brought it to Byron and they said, thank you, Byron, here's the dollar. And he sat, the old fellow, he sat in a rocking chair and tears coming down his face. 
He said, if I had of all, all land in New Brunswick, God chose mine. Today, it's a recovery center. The billions of dollars that our mental health system, with I've been told about 2% success rate. The Village of Hope has a over 80% success rate for those who complete the program, never return to drugs and alcohol. Some of them have become my good friends. And I go and minister there, and I'm a part of the ministry, and I'm, in fact, the first artist that's ever come on board with them to go out and, and do what I'm doing. Some people do World Vision Compassion. I'm the first artist that's ever, and then they're the first um, ministry that I've ever linked up with. And if you think there's hope, maybe you're praying for a grandson or, or a brother or somebody. I believe that if you would sow into this, God will honor that for that one that you love and are praying for. If you happen to sign up today, I've got to run out of here real soon. But if you sign up today, I will give you a free bottle of maple syrup that was made on the property. Now, I got some in my van. I only got a couple bottles here, but there's some bottles in my van. I had to Google. Uh, I had to Google, will maple syrup freeze? <laughs> so, I mean, there's a picture of the, the sugar shack. They had to tear it down. They built a new one. And, and, they, and that's part of what helps uh, fund the ongoing thing there. And also today, if you, I will sweeten the deal. And if you um, happen to sponsor one today, I will give you one of my albums, whichever of your choice. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, God is a mighty, mighty restorer. God restored the relationship with my dad. I want to finish with this song. I don't know if we're using overheads, but there's no overhead for this one. So um, there's a whole lot I'd like to share with you. I don't, I don't have the time, so Lord willing, perhaps uh, we'll have an appointment again together someday. I want to say thank you for having me. Uh, it's a blessing because, you know, we knock on a lot of doors and they don't always open. So when there's an open door to come in and share the grace of God and what he's done in my own personal life, it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. I get more out of it than anyone. And um, God restored the relationship with my dad. I'm going to tell you how. I had three big fist fights with my father. I hated that man. The word hate means the absence of love. That's exactly the way I felt. And I got saved. I think I'm thinking of the night of my brother's wedding. It should have been a great time of celebration. My father and I got in a fist fight. Pretty dysfunctional. So I'm like, how do I restore this relationship with my father, Lord? And my mom tells me this story. And she said, Teddy, your father had to get drunk to go and tell his own mother that he loved her. So it's interesting that he got confidence from being drunk in, his, in the alcohol. You know, and I remember them telling me stories that dad had to drink or he wouldn't dance. So um, my brother drove him out to Grammy's. And Grammy would always, I could see her sitting in the kitchen with her apron on in the rocking chair. And dad went out and knelt down beside her. And she's an aged woman, probably not long, 86 at the time. And he says, Mama, 
I love you. My mom told me that Grammy never responded. So he said it again. He said, Mama, did, did you hear me? I said, I said, I love you. And this time her response was, I heard you, Lawrence. And that was it. When my mom told me that story, my heart was bursting for compassion for my dad. I've had older people tell me, like, we knew they loved us. If we had food and we had clothing, we knew they loved us. And that's truth. There's truth in that. But at this point, I believe, like, even God affirmed his son. This is my son who I'm well pleased. This is my boy. And he just wanted that affirmation from his mom. And he never got it. And I realized something that day. I realized that all the love I was just longing for to pull out of my dad for me. I realized that he didn't have it to give me because it wasn't given to him. You can only give what you have. Amen? How much more we need of God that we can give it away? Because it's really his love. It's really his patience. It's all a reflection of who he is if, if we'll just make room. You know, I wrote a song called Make Room. I'd love to sing it for you, but I, I can't right now. But I want to sing this song about restoration. God restored the relationship with my dad. I began to see my father differently. And over time, just things changed. My dad became one of my best friends. And like I said, everybody knew I was different. My dad said to me one day, he said, Daddy, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah, Dad. He said, uh, I was watching this preacher on TV. I said, yeah. And he said, no, I believe what he said. He said, I don't think I have to go to the priest to confess my sins. And my dad put his finger in the air. He said, I think I can go right up through Jesus. And I just like, I couldn't believe my ears. I'm just like, you got her, Dad. You got her. I said, you just keep doing what you're doing. I quoted a couple of scriptures that Jesus said, no man come to the Father except by me. And I quoted, uh, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. So I said, you got her. You just keep going to God through Jesus. You got her. And I didn't want to add to it and like take away from the revelation that he had gotten. So that was awesome, and I got to pray with my dad many, many times. And I remember standing in the driveway, and I stopped dad. We were going out to the shed. He was, you know, if he got a new old truck or something, he'd show me and call me. And, and we were walking up to the driveway, and I stopped dad on purpose, and I turned him around, and I said, Dad, I, I just want you to know that I, lo I love you. <laughs> and uh, dad said, I love you too, dad. And God restored our relationship. I had 10 good years with my dad. And uh, I just, uh, when dad passed away, I was sitting in the porch with my mother. My dad used to, he said, if I had to do it all over again, he said, I would have been a farmer. But he got working at the mill and he hated it. Hated it. That's why when they asked me if I wanted to work, I said, no, I don't want to work at the mill. I don't want to end up like my father. And um, so, uh, so I'm in the porch, and when Dad got a new pair of boots, I would always get another his old pair, because you know he worked, and I I would just get his old pair of boots. Anyways, when Dad died, I needed a pair of work boots, and uh, I said, Mom, can I have Dad's boots? And she said, Sure, Ted, you can have Dad's boots. So I got my father's boots. 
And dad used to have all these birds in his retirement. He had all these birds. Um, you can see the video online. My uncle Lewis has since gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, Lewis was 10 years older than my dad, but he, he was the only uncle that I had left, and he, he played dad in the video. It's called His Boots Under My Name, Ted Lynch. You can see it online. And um, when dad died, I, th I thought, I used to buy eggs off him. But I can't buy eggs off him anymore because, you know, he's not around. I'm back there, all the cages are empty, the water dishes were all empty. I thought, this is really sad. And then I got this idea. I'm going to hook on to his hen house, measure it, make sure it'll clear the train bridge, and I'm going to take it up to my house, and I'm going to start raising hens. So that's what I did, and I got 15 birds, and I started raising hens. Anyways, one morning I'm going out. I'm going around the corner with a bucket to collect the eggs and another pail of water. And I, and I looked down, and I said to myself, here I am walking in my father's boots. And I knew there was a song there. And uh, I, I said... Uh, I think about the scriptures, the Bible says, walk as he walked. We are all called to walk in our father's boots. The song is called His Boots. They gathered round my mom's kitchen Thinking about what they'd be missing Like the time you near got caught Fishing after dark All oh, the stories they would tell Reminiscing My brother He got his jackknife And the other He got his watch my mom said to me, son, what will it be? Maybe the gun your dad used to shoot, but I want his boots. His boots been in the hen house, they've been standing on a log, they've been in the garden, and even walked family dog they've gone the extra mile for his next of kin and I sure want to be just like him I want his boots his boots Covered in mud But they would help you If they could He was far from being perfect But he knew we were worth it And up till that day He never wore a suit Well I want his food Father's love can still be found 
He knows about paying the price and living a life of sacrifice. With his help, I can do everything he's been through if I stay connected to his roots. His boots been in the hen house. They've been standing all alone. They've been in the garden and even walked family down they'll go the extra mile for my next of kin cause I so want to be just like